0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, I just wanted to say today's Killer Instinct episode is brought to you from the comfort of my own bedroom because if you can tell by the sound of my voice, I am severely sick at the moment and my voice is not doing me any favors. It's crazy thinking how when I get sick, how much it affects my entire life and my job and everything like that it really has never i don't think i've ever really gotten this sick since doing killer instinct so the past couple days i have been doing everything in my power to make sure that my voice would sound at least somewhat decent for this episode so please excuse it if it does not hopefully fingers crossed by next week and next week's episode My voice will be back to normal, but for this week, this is what we're working with, but that is not why you're here today. You're here today to listen to another true crime episode. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah, and I'm your host of Killer Instinct, and before we get started, if you could go ahead and hit that subscribe button real fast, that would be fantastic. We post weekly episodes here every single Wednesday, and you are not going to want to miss it. Today, we are talking about the wild, wild solved case of 50 50-year-old Beverly Carter. Some of you may have heard of this case before. It's also known as the real estate killing or the real estate murder. And it is a wild, like I said, twisted, crazy case. So let's jump right on into it today. Beverly Carter was born on December 20th, 1965 in Anniston, Alabama to her parents, John Bryant Loans and Marlene Loans. Beverly also had two siblings named Kathy and Toby, and when Beverly was only 16 years old, she ended up meeting the man that she was going to marry. When Beverly was only 16 years old, she met a man named Carl Carter, and the two of them met while Beverly was waitressing at a hamburger restaurant in Texas. Like I said, Beverly was only 16 years old, and Carl was 19 years old. But the two of them started dating, and shortly after that, they ended up having a city hall wedding and starting their life together. After the two of them got married, they ended up having three children together. They had three boys who they actually named Carl Carter Jr., Christopher Carter, and Chad Carter. Beverly's boys were her pride and joy. She absolutely loved being their mom. Her family describes her as having a beautiful smile and a laugh that would fill the room and that you could hear all the way down the hall. They also said that she was one of the most genuine, authentic people that you would ever meet. Now, when it came to her marriage with Carl, everything wasn't always smooth sailing there. The two did struggle with some financial issues, and at one point, Carl did have an affair. However, the two of them decided to stay together and work through their differences, and once they got to their 20-year wedding anniversary, they decided to finally have the big party wedding that they had missed out on when they were younger. They wanted to do this to celebrate this new stage of life that they were in and just embarking on a new chapter. In a few years after that celebration, Beverly embarked on a new chapter of her own, and that was her career. She ended up getting her real estate license to become a real estate agent, and she absolutely soared in this field. Beverly worked for the Cry Lake Real Estate Company located in Scott, Arkansas. In 2013, Beverly was the top listing and selling agent in Southern Arkansas, selling over 12 million dollars worth of property. She was said to be able to sell anything, and her personality shined in this profession. And along with that, her clients very, very quickly became her friends. She was the type that would sell a client a house and then would be invited to their wedding or to their baby showers. People just loved her and wanted to be around her. Now, let's fast forward to September 24th, 2014. This would be the day that everything changed for Beverly, but this started out as a perfectly normal day. It actually started out as a lucky day for Beverly because she won $50 at an office competition that they were having in her real estate company. So at the beginning of the day, things were really looking up. Now, Beverly's last showing was at 6 p.m. in Scott, Arkansas, and according to Beverly's family and friends, this was not a showing that she wanted to go to. It was the end of the day, and she was feeling pretty tired, but the client that she was supposed to be showing the house to was willing to pay an all-cash offer if they ended up buying the house. Now, some real estate 101 here is that when a client pays in all cash, you can close on the house a lot quicker and the sale goes through a lot quicker. So Beverly decided to go because if this did end up being a house that she could sell, the deal would go through very quickly and it would just be a really great business opportunity. So she called her husband, Carl, at about 5.30 p.m. on her way over to the house and told him that she was going to do the showing and she would pick up dinner on her way home. Home. She gave Carl the address to the house that she was showing, which was 14202 Old River Drive in Scott, Arkansas, and told him that she would see him later and hung up the phone. Little did Carl and Beverly both know, this would be the last time that they would be speaking to each other. Once 9 p.m. hit that same night and Beverly didn't come home, Carl started to get a little worried. He started calling and texting Beverly, asking if she was okay, but he wasn't getting any response. So he decided to drive over to the property himself And that's when he found Beverly's car in the driveway with her purse still inside of it. However, the lights in the house were completely off. So Carl himself decided that he was going to go into the house, which was unlocked, and search throughout it looking for Beverly. However, she was nowhere to be found. That's when Carl ended up calling one of his sons and asked if they had heard from their mother and his son immediately thought that his mom was just working late and this wasn't a problem to be worried about at all. And to prove that to his dad, he agreed to drive over to Beverly's real estate office with Carl to show him that she's just at the office doing paperwork. However, once they drove over there together and saw that the real estate office was all closed, locked up, and no one was inside, that's when the panic began to set in and the police were called to file a missing persons report. Now, once the missing persons report was filed, authorities immediately showed up to the property that Beverly was showing and taped it off and labeled it as a crime scene, since that's where the last known place that Beverly was at. Now, along with authorities, Carl and his son, Carl Jr. were also at the property with authorities watching them conduct the investigation. And that's when at about one o'clock AM, Carl received three text messages from Beverly along with that around the same time two of beverly's best friends brenda and stacy had also gotten texts from beverly brenda and stacy had reached out to beverly themselves after getting a text from carl saying that she had been reported missing but it's what these texts said that left everyone uneasy according to brenda the text that she received said quote sorry my phone has been acting up what did you need end quote That's when Brenda sent a text back to Beverly asking her if she had put a red folder back on Brenda's desk. Now, that might not mean anything to you. However, what I've learned is that in real estate terms, red folder is the term for 911, essentially. Red folder equals something is wrong. It's the term that real estate agents use to indicate if they're in a dangerous situation. Now, I'm not sure if this is the same term that's used in all agencies across the board. I would kind of doubt that. However, in Beverly's agency and in the surrounding areas, that's the term that they used. However, when Brenda sent that text about the red folder back to Beverly immediately after receiving the text from her, she received no response after that. Now, Stacy received a text saying, quote, "'Sorry, I'm out having drinks with friends end quote, which concerned Stacy because that was not the typical response from Beverly. We've talked about this before in the sense that you know the people in your close circles texting styles. I could tell you how my five best friends text as well as every person in my family, and I would know if something was wrong or off based off of their texting style, if one of them used too many emojis and they've never used emojis before. If one of them was abbreviating things and they usually write out full sentences, there's little clues that indicate that something was wrong. Along with that, Stacy's first reaction when Beverly sent that was, well, we're right here, so she said, meaning that her best friends were already out looking for her, so who was she possibly out with? Now, when it came to the text that Carl received, they were even more off-putting. The three texts that Carl received were, quote, yes, sorry my phone has been dead, and having drinks now," end quote. Again, this was not typical behavior for Beverly. She would have never gone out for drinks without calling Carl to let him know, especially after she told him that she would pick up dinner for them on the way home. And along with that, that's not the normal way that Beverly would text either. Carl Jr., her son, said that when he heard his mom had texted his dad, he felt a huge sense of relief. However, the second he saw the texts and what they entailed, he knew that his mom was not the one typing out those messages. Now, I want to talk about safety precautions for a second, because I think we forget sometimes that a lot of people, not just the obvious ones, have jobs that put them in vulnerable positions now real estate agents as though it might not seem like it on the outside their job does require them to be put in very vulnerable situations and vulnerable positions real estate agents have to go out and meet up with strangers to show homes to show empty homes usually and that can be a very vulnerable position to be in. However, Beverly always, always made sure to be as safe as she possibly could. And when it came to this particular showing, Beverly's friends said that it was a couple that was looking to buy a home and the husband was the one that called to make the appointment to see the home, however, Beverly made sure that both the husband and the wife were going to be there to see the house together. She even had the husband put the wife on the phone to confirm that both of them would be at the appointment, and she did this because she felt way more comfortable knowing that she wouldn't be alone with a man that she had never met before. She didn't feel comfortable with that, and so she did everything that she could to ensure that that wasn't going to be the outcome. Now, along with that, the area that this house was in was one that Beverly knew very, very well. It wasn't too far from her own home, and there were people who lived on that street that she knew, including her pastor. Now, when authorities started their investigation, they began talking to neighbors of the property, one of which said that around the time of the disappearance, they saw a tall, skinny, white male with short hair driving a black car in the driveway of the property. Along with that, when authorities started searching through the property and searching through Beverly's car, they discovered Beverly's work folder in the passenger seat with all of her real estate work. Now, this included a folder with all of her real estate information, and most importantly, her listing for the property that she went missing from. And attached to the listing information was a note that had an email address and a phone number, as well as a name for who police assumed was the person that Beverly was expected to be meeting to show the house to. Now, at first, this seemed like police had hit the jackpot. They had a phone number, an email address, and a name. However, it was not that simple. When they tried to track back both of the emails and phone numbers, they came back to be fake which ultimately led police just back to square one now to switch gears for a moment police also had someone else that was on their person of interest list and that would be beverly's husband carl now obviously as we've seen a million times over when someone goes missing you automatically look to the spouse it's practically protocol at this point however along with that Carl wasn't really looking too good in this situation. When police had gotten to the crime scene, Carl had already been inside of the house from what he says was looking for Beverly just to make sure that she wasn't in there, which in turn contaminates the crime scene and leaves Carl's DNA everywhere inside of the house. Which you do have to remember, if we're playing devil's advocate here, that there are many people who are not educated in the true crime world. They don't listen to true crime videos and true crime podcasts, and they would probably very easily walk into a crime scene innocently, not knowing that it would damage an investigation. However, we have seen instances too where a spouse or anyone will say that they went into a crime scene to make sure that their loved one wasn't in there, and they end up being the person responsible. So, it could really go both ways now either way authorities decided to bring carl in for questioning now carl was very very honest in his interview he told the detective that him and beverly were having financial problems due to a hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy that they had just taken out and along with that carl had also admitted to having an affair in the past this is the affair that i mentioned in the beginning that beverly was aware of Carl even confessed to hitting Beverly on one occasion. He said it only happened once and it was in the beginning years of them dating. He admitted to being completely in the wrong about it and blamed it on the fact that he was drunk driving and Beverly told him to stop and pull over. And when she did that, Carl responded by hitting her over the head to which she responded by telling him to pull over the car and that is when she got out and he drove away and drove his car into a ditch. Now, Carl said he automatically regretted what he did and ultimately, Beverly forgave him for it because she knew it was so unlike him and unlike his character and the two of them ended up just working through it. Now, I wanna switch gears again and kinda go back to the names and phone numbers of the people in Beverly's file for a moment that were attached to this particular listing. Now, even though the phone number and the email address were fake, Police did amazing, amazing work in this case, and they actually found enough substance there from what they were given to work with, and they actually sent everything off to every database possible, and the names that Beverly was given were Steve and Crystal Lewis, so those were the fake names. Those were the fake names attached to the fake phone numbers attached to the fake email addresses, and when authorities ran everything through their database, they actually, actually ended up getting a hit. They got a hit on two different people named Aaron Lewis and his wife, Crystal Lowry. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Do you ever fantasize about who you'd be if you lived somewhere different? Maybe you'd surf if you lived by the beach. Or maybe if you lived in the city, you would live above a coffee shop and finally be able to write that novel you've always dreamed of. Or if you had a dishwasher, maybe you'd actually be able to start cooking and make a proper dinner at home. With over 1 million available units for rent on Apartments.com, the you abilities are endless. Apartments.com lets you narrow down exactly what you want and when you want it. And with their instant alert, you'll never miss out on seeing what could be your new perfect place. Apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place to live, whether that's an apartment, a townhome, or even a house. And they can help you find exactly what it is that you're looking for. Visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Aaron Lewis was a truck driver who did have multiple petty crime charges in different states. And once police had these names, authorities drove over to their home to sit outside of their house and see if Aaron would come out, or anyone for that matter, that matched the description that the neighbor witness had given about the white man with short hair. They saw the black car in the driveway, but they just wanted to get a physical description to see if that matched. Now, not too long after they got there, a man matching the description walked out the door, and that's when they ID'd him as Aaron Lewis. Aaron got into his car and started driving, and police actually did not approach him when he got into his car because they were hoping that wherever he was driving to was going to guide them to where Beverly. Was mind you this was only about two to three days after beverly went missing so all everyone was thinking was there was a very very good possibility that beverly was still alive authorities were still working this case as if beverly was still alive however when aaron got into his car and started driving He realized pretty quickly that he was being followed by police, which is when he started speeding off and actually ended up crashing his car. Once he crashed his car, he ended up getting out of the car, and this is when police took him to the hospital because he did have some injuries. However, when they got to the hospital, authorities are not allowed to go back into any of the rooms with the person of interest. So they can't go back into the MRI room or any x-rays or anything like that. They have to wait in the waiting room for that specific person to come out, which is what police did. So they sat there in the waiting room. However, Aaron never came back. He was actually able to escape from the hospital, which led police on a city-wide manhunt. Police were able to put out Aaron's image and news outlets and media were posting his picture everywhere and everyone was on the lookout. And there were actually two men. They were managers at a mortgage company and they actually knew Beverly. And their names are Ben Boyette and Conan Waiters. And they were at their office discussing the case right after the picture of Aaron had been shot into the media. And their office was a one-story building on a side street outside of a bus stop. And while they were talking about Beverly's case, they look outside and to their surprise, they saw Aaron Lewis standing out at the bus stop. Now, Ben immediately called 911 to report Aaron, while Conan had actually walked outside to the bus stop to confirm that this, in fact, was Aaron. Conan said that at first, Aaron was a little bit standoffish. However, after asking him about bus times and what the bus schedule was going to be, he said that Aaron warmed up to him a little bit and Conan walked back inside and said 100% that was Aaron Lewis. Aaron then walked into a Subway sandwich shop, which was in the same little shopping center as the mortgage company. However, at this time, he was way more noticeable. Someone ended up yelling, that's him, and five people started chasing Aaron Lewis through the street while Aaron was running for his life. Now, Aaron actually ran into an apartment complex, and luckily, this is when the police showed up. However, at this point, Aaron Aaron ran into an apartment on the second floor and jumped out of the second story window. He made the fall, he didn't have any substantial injuries, and he was arrested right after. Now Aaron being arrested gave Beverly's friends and family a lot of hope that she would be found. At this point, she had been missing for about four days and they had a lot of hope that she would be found alive, now having Aaron in custody. When authorities brought Aaron in for questioning, they sat him down and asked him where Beverly was and what he did with her, and what he said might shock you. Now, Aaron admitted that he did kidnap Beverly and his motive was money. He said that he had Googled her and saw that she was a real estate broker and figured that because of that, she would have money. Aaron said that once he got to the house, it was just him without his wife, and he told Beverly that his wife wasn't going to be able to make the appointment. Now, after being shown the first story of the house, Aaron said that the two of them walked upstairs, and when they got to the top of the stairs, Aaron told Beverly that she was about to have a bad day, to which Beverly responded confused with, what are you talking about? And that's when Aaron told Beverly, you're being kidnapped. Can you just imagine the fear that would rush through your body after hearing those words? When I read that, I was in complete shock. But Aaron said he didn't go through all of this alone. He actually said he had an accomplice. He said that if anything happened to Beverly, it was because Trevor did it. Now, who is Trevor, you might be asking? Well, Trevor is a guy that Aaron had lived with and a guy that Aaron was now saying was mainly responsible for whatever happened to Beverly. Aaron said that the last time he saw Beverly, she was alive and she was with Trevor. And this is when Aaron pulled out the smoking gun to this case a voice recording. Aaron had a voice recording of Beverly on his cell phone that he played for detectives. This recording said, quote, Carl, it's Beverly. I just want to let you know I'm okay and I haven't been hurt. Just do what he says and don't call the police. If you call the police, it could be bad. I just want you to know I love you very much. End quote. Now, Aaron figured that in showing authorities this voice recording, it would prove to them that he last saw Beverly alive and that when he had Beverly, she was alive and she was fine. So anything that has happened since that voice recording was not his doing, but it was Trevor's doing. Also, that voice recording is available all across the internet for you to listen to it, so if you would like to look it up and listen to it, if you're interested after listening to this case, you will be able to find it. Now, at this point, Aaron took police to two different places that he claimed to have taken Beverly to. Authorities went to both of these places, obviously, because they thought that maybe Beverly would still be there. The first place that Aaron took authorities to was the last place he claimed to have seen her, and the second place he took them to was the first place he claimed to have taken Beverly to. Both of which police drove to with Aaron and quickly realized that Beverly wasn't there, and she was never there prior. Police learned very quickly that Aaron was basically sending them on a wild goose chase all over the town, and was playing them left and right. And not only that, when they looked more into this Trevor guy, they learned that there is no possible way that Trevor had anything to do with this. Trevor worked on an Air Force Base and his supervisors told police that Trevor was on base the day of his disappearance. They went through so many different departments on this Air Force Base to confirm, to make 100% sure that Trevor was there and he was. They also interrogated Trevor for about several hours before ultimately letting him go. So at this point, detectives were at a standstill. They were being played by Aaron and didn't know where to turn from there. That was until detectives learned that Aaron had recently worked at a cement plant called Argos. Now, the lead detective on this case said that he sat down with Aaron once again and point blank asked him if Beverly was at the cement plant. And just by the look on Aaron's face, the detective knew that that is where Beverly was. Police raced over to Argos, and when they started searching through the plant, a police officer found an elbow sticking out of a shallow grave. they buried the grave up, and that's when they discovered the body of Beverly Carter. And unfortunately, it was too late and she had already passed away now right away aaron lewis was charged with the murder and kidnapping of beverly carter and his wife crystal lowry was charged with accomplice to murder there's actually a clip of aaron being brought out to a police car after his arrest with these charges and when a reporter asked him why beverly aaron responded with she was a rich broker Now, Aaron had pleaded not guilty to the charges against him. However, saying she was a rich broker doesn't necessarily sound like something an innocent man would say. Now, when it came to Aaron's story, when it came to the trial and Aaron pleading not guilty, Aaron's story changed. He basically said that Beverly was responsible for her own death. He claimed that the meeting with Beverly at the house was not to just show the house to him. However, it was a hookup meeting spot that the two of them had agreed upon prior. Aaron claimed that this was basically rough sex that had gone wrong. However, what contradicts all of this is the fact that Aaron had a voice recording of Beverly saying that she had been kidnapped. So any story that he had basically went out the window. Now this is when Aaron's wife, Crystal comes into the picture. Crystal agreed to testify against Aaron in exchange for a reduced sentence of 30 years. When she testified, she claimed that this whole kidnapping operation was a, About money and that Aaron came up with the idea of kidnapping someone for their money and Crystal was the one who suggested that they should go after real estate agents. Crystal went on to say that she was in class at nursing school when Aaron kidnapped Beverly and sent Crystal a picture of Beverly bound up and tied in the back of his car after he had kidnapped her. Crystal said that by the time she got home, Beverly was already in their bathroom, and Aaron was freaking out because he realized that he forgot Beverly's credit card in her car, which basically tanked this whole thing. Aaron was going to take Beverly to the ATM to get all of her money with her, but since he forgot the credit card, he couldn't do that. He decided to go back to the house to get the card that was in her car, but by the time he did that, authorities were already at the house and taking off the entire scene. Aaron was even stopped by a police officer who thought that Aaron was a neighbor driving home and asked Aaron if he knew anything about what had been going on, but ultimately he let Aaron go. When Aaron got home and they were trying to figure out what to do with Beverly, they realized that the bathroom that Beverly was staying in had Crystal's medications in it and Crystal's medications had her name on it, her full name. And this really freaked Aaron and Crystal out because at that point they thought that she knew too much. She knew their entire names. She knew everything that she needed in order to convict them. And that wasn't okay with the two of them. So they decided, that Crystal had to die. That's when Aaron took Beverly into his car and drove her out to a cement plant. He wrapped her face in duct tape and essentially left her there to suffocate and die. After the trial was completed, in less than an hour, the jury came to a verdict. Aaron Lewis was found guilty on all counts and was sentenced to two life sentences. He will never be released from prison and he will die there. As far as Beverly's family, they have gone on to start the Beverly Carter Foundation, which raises awareness to fund programs and training materials for real estate agent safety. Now, we don't see a lot of cases like this where it really is a crime of opportunity. Aaron Lewis and Crystal Lowry didn't know Beverly. They just sought her out and decided that she was going to be their victim. And it's a tragic, tragic 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 case and one that's incredibly frustrating because it was so avoidable because it feels like it was a crime of opportunity it feels so much more avoidable there was no reason that beverly had to die this was an operation for money that went completely wrong and i personally do believe even if aaron did get the credit card and did get beverly's money even if that did happen, I do believe that he still would have killed her more than likely, but you guys can let me know what you think. You can email me at at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com, or you can DM me on Instagram at just at killerinstinctpodcast and let me know your thoughts. And with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning into another Killer Instinct podcast episode. Again, if you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and head and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday and you're not going to want to miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new case for you guys. And until then, stay safe.